a name to add to our prayer list, uh, Brother John Thompson's uh, brother uh, is in the emergency uh, ER uh, with a serious infection. Uh, also, you got the all call that his dad had fallen and the surgery went well. Physically, he's doing fine, but his mental is not doing well at all. And so we need to remember um, these two in our prayer. And also, um, we need to remember Miss Dot Haley uh, in our prayers and their family as they uh, deal with her. Many of you have been where these people are and you know what's going on. And so let's just go to the Lord in prayer for these right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you'd be by the side of John's brother and his daddy and Miss Dot. Lord, you know the, the situation in all three of these cases, and I pray that you'd just reach down and, and touch them in a mighty way right now. Be with the family, Lord. We know what it is when family members are sick and seem like it's out of our control and out of our hands, and I pray that you'd be with them in a special way. Lord, just speak to their hearts and be with the, each doctor and nurse that's in attendance with them. And just give them insight into their condition. And we'll thank you before we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with us to the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. We'll be reading verses 1 through 16. Matthew 26. 1 through 16. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said unto his disciples. You know that after two days, the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed and to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted with him. They talked with him that they might take Jesus by surprise and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar and the people start a riot. So now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat eating. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, what purpose is this? What, what's the use of this waste? For this ointment might have been sold and the money given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye this woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but you're not going to always have me with you. For in that she hath poured this ointment on his body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Whithersoever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told, for a memorial unto her. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me if I deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him and made a promise that they would give him thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray Jesus. Father, speak to our hearts. God, we thank you for your son. And Lord, we think about the many horrors and heartaches and sorrows and things that we have to go through here is nothing compared to what your son went through just for us. Thank you, Jesus, for paying it all. And I pray that you speak to our hearts now, and we'll thank you and praise you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It was getting close to the time that Jesus was to be crucified, and of course his enemies were conjuring up some kind of an idea how they could 
uh, hem him up and catch him and a plot to kill him. And of course, we know that Judas was that betrayer uh, that went and made a bargain with them for 30 pieces of silver. I'll let you know who he is. On the other hand, Jesus' followers were gathering to worship and to pray and, and to be with him and devotion of what he had done and leading them. Even though they didn't understand what was about to happen, they had gathered there uh, in this upper room. And so, in joining these two accounts together, Matthew brings about and, and gives us some, opens up our hearts and our eyes uh, to, uh, to Mary and her worship and Judas and his betrayal. So as we think about this, it was a feast uh, in, in, the, in Bethany there, and, and the priests had delivered uh, everything that was supposed to be taken place. And then it came time uh, for the feast there, and, and Jesus gathered uh, with his. At this supper, there was no less than uh, 16 people uh, at this meal. We know that the, the disciples were there. Simon was there. Uh, the leper was in his house, and Mary and Martha and Jesus, which makes uh, 16 people. And, uh, of course, we understand and know the, the life that Martha lived. And, and, and she was the, the chief cook and bottle washer here. She was the server. And she was just doing what she normally uh, would do. As, that's being a servant. You remember on that occasion, she asked Jesus, why, why is Mary not helping me? And uh, Jesus just simply said, Mary's doing what she's supposed to do. Now, he didn't say, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But she's doing what she's supposed to do. Somebody's got to cook, though. You know, it's that way in this world today. Somebody's got to cook. When people gather, they're going to eat, and somebody's got to do that. But Mary, he said, Mary have chosen the best part because you're not going to always have me with you. Of course, the key characters here, as we look at them this morning, is Mary and Judas and Jesus. And that's what we want to look at, these three, as we head up to this point of, of celebrating and uh, coming together uh, for, to receive the Lord's Supper. We look at Mary there in verse, uh, verse 7. It says that there came this woman having a, having a box of expensive ointment and she walked right up to Jesus and poured it on his head while he was eating. That was her act of worship. Now you know we're quick sometimes to criticize people for the way they worship. But I want to tell you something. Every one of us in here, every one of us in here, we worship God a different way. You know, he's our God. Jesus is our Savior. And we count on the Holy Spirit to guide us, but we all worship him in different ways. So we should never be quick to criticize somebody if they raise their hand or if they say amen or if they just bow their head and you see their lips moving. Hey, that's their, their kind of worship. And we, as all people, we need to be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a true and living God, and, he, and Jesus is a true and living Savior, and we must worship him. And that's what Mary was doing. That was her act of worshiping. And we only find this, uh, uh, John uh, is the only gospel that mentions uh, Mary uh, as being the, uh, the sister uh, of Lazarus. And, and here we look at uh, Matthew, uh, he mentions a, a woman who came and offered this expensive uh, ointment to put upon his head. You see, Mary, she had sat at Jesus' feet and listened to the word. She had listened to the word. She had also uh, came to his feet in sorrow when she came after Lazarus had died. And her words was this, Lord, if you'd have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
And of course, we know the story there that Jesus raised Lazarus back to life again. But we also, we see the Feast of Sorrow uh, there uh, when, when she came to worship at his feet and anointed him with this oil. And, and John's gospel says that, uh, that Judah spoke up, said, she's wasting this. We could have took that and sold it and give the money to the poor. Well, the disciples we see fell in line with him because they thought he was a real spiritual person. And so they fell in line with him and, and sided with him that, hey, this is a waste. And of course, we know the Lord rebuked them and said, hey, she, this is her way of worshiping me. You have your way, she has her way. But after the anointing of, of Jesus' head with, the, with oil, she took her hair, the Bible says, and wiped, wiped that ointment up with her hair. Now, more than likely, probably every lady in here yesterday, you fixed your hair yesterday or went somewhere and got it fixed, and this morning you got up and double-checked it and got it raring to go because your hair is your glory. And we look and we say, oh, your hair is so pretty. Well, she took that glory of her body, the hair, and dried his feet. It was an act of love that brought a sweet smell to the entire house. Amazing what she did in front of those people. It didn't make no difference to her what they thought. She was worshiping God through the Son, Jesus Christ. Then we see Judas. I mean, when we look at him, of course, he's a right to opposite character. Um, you see, the, the disciples knew him as a true character, uh, as a true follower. And they thought, well, hey, you know, we've been watching uh, Peter speak out and, and this, that, and the other. And then here's Judas comes and says, hey, they're wasting that. We could have sold that. Well, nothing more than wanting more money for himself because he was a treasure. He kept up uh, with, the, with, the, with the money. It's amazing to me as we, as we watch his story unfold that Judas uh, is to be called uh, Christ's disciple. He was one of the twelve that was selected. But when Jesus came to wash the feet of the disciples, when he got to him, he said, one of you is not clean spiritually. Now think of ourselves sometimes. You know, we, we think, am, am, am I worthy to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper? But I want you to listen in a moment. I'm going to do my best to explain to you about that worthiness. Because Judas, hey, he was not worthy. And like many people today, he, he followed Christ, but he wasn't a true follower. He, he hadn't accepted Jesus as a Savior. Now you think about it. People who claim to be saved, but their life don't match what they say. It's a shame today that people would claim to know Christ, claim to be a follower. Hey, singing in the choir taking up offerings, sitting in the pew, standing in the pulpit, and lost as it can be. Judas, he was lost, but yet he was a follower. But we see at the end of the story how he plotted to betray Jesus and took money. You know, I think about it. He, he, was, he wasn't interested in the Messiah. He was interested in, in the money. He wasn't interested in uh, worshiping. He was interested in the wealth. 
And you think about his life because Jesus said to him, whatever you got to do, you need to go do it and do it quick. And the Bible says he went out from among them and hanged himself. Such a sad ending to a good beginning, having been chosen by Christ to follow and come that close to being a follower and traded it off, traded his soul for 30 pieces of silver. But then we come to Jesus. Jesus rose to the defense of Mary. And the reason he did is because he knew her heart. He knew what was in that ointment as far as her act of worship pouring it on his head. He knew that. It wasn't a flinch and why did you do that? He knew her heart. You know what this morning? He knows my heart. He knows your heart. He knows where you stand with him. And whatever we do for Jesus is never a waste. Sometimes we might think nobody's noticing. They don't have to. The Lord notices what we do. The Lord notices our acts, whether they're acts of kindness or acts of hate. God knows that. He keeps up with that. Mary's act of love for Jesus, it should encourage us to love Jesus and to give him our best because that's what she did. She gave him her best. The love of God knows no bounds, y'all. The love of God knows no bounds. The love of God knows no bonds. And the love of God knows no barriers. I think sometimes, what, what, keeps, what keeps us from being like Mary, giving the best and worship him? What keeps us from doing that? What keeps us, some of us, being a Judas? If it really come down to it, would you give your life for him? What keeps us from serving the Lord Jesus with our heart and our soul and our mind? There's something this morning, probably in all of our lives, that keeps us from being what God wants us to be. And people are quick, and you may be here this morning and say, well, you know, I won't partake of the Lord's Supper this morning because there's some things in my life that's not right. I want you to listen. If we're to participate and feel worthy to participate, we need to meet with God in our own heart and mind and examine. The Bible talks about examining our own hearts. You know what? Nobody can examine your heart but you in this world. Now, God knows, but nobody can examine your heart and mind other than ourself. So the Bible teaches us that we need to judge our sins. It also teaches us that we're to confess our sins to the Lord. Nobody else, you don't have to tell nobody, but you must confess those sins to the Lord. To come to the table with unconfessed sins is to be guilty of the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it was sin that nailed him to the cross. And if we don't get rid of that sin, we are guilty of his body and guilty of his blood putting him on the cross. That's what nailed him to the cross. If we will not judge ourselves and confess our sins, we will be judged by God Almighty. 
Now, we're going to stand before him. That's a known fact. Every one of us is going to stand before him, give an account of a life we've lived, whether it be good or bad. But we're not going to be judged as Christians. We're not going to be judged for our sins because our sins are under the blood of Christ. That's why it's so important to stay confessed up. Confess our sins. Hey, it's a daily thing with me, confessing our sins. And we fight and we wrestle against darkness and uh, uh, the devil. He throws this stuff at us. And we must confess our sins. We must live for him. We must stand on his holy word. If we expect to face him and to be hear him say, welcome home. So how do we get worthy? Confess our sins. Judge ourselves. But confessing our sins makes us worthy to partake. The Lord said, hey, as often as you do this, Lord, suffer, you, you show forth my death until I come. In remembrance of me. It's not to remember anybody else this morning, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we go through the Lord's Supper this morning, I want you to picture him hanging on the cross for your sins. I want you to picture hearing him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You'll have to do that. I must do that as an individual. I can't do it for you. And let me tell you something else. As a Christian... Maybe backslid. Don't beat yourself up. The devil wants you to beat yourself up. You confess your sins. We're going to have a hymn of invitation in a moment. You confess your sins to God. If you need to come to this altar, you come to this altar. Be like Mary. Don't care who thinks or sees me. I'm going down there. I'm going for God. And I'm going to confess my sins. I want to be right when I partake of the Lord's Supper. Nobody's going to come back and get you and lead you up here. It's an individual thing. As I said earlier, we all worship the Lord differently, but we worship a true and living God. Mary, she worshiped the Lord. Judas turned on the Lord, but Jesus loved him. He made the choice. You and I this morning, we'll make a choice. What will that choice be? Father, in the name of Jesus, how we do thank you and praise you for the opportunity this morning to stand in this place around this table that reminds us of what you have done for us. Lord, I pray for our time of invitation now. Speak to people's heart. God, you know each one of us in here. You know where we need to confess sin. You know where we need to ask you to forgive us. Well, Lord, ask to help us to look to you for guidance and be strong and serve you a living Savior in Jesus' name. Amen.